This is In-House Insiders, a podcast from the Association of Corporate Counsel, where you'll hear from the most interesting in-house legal professionals in Australia. On the show, we'll explore their stories, the challenges they've faced along the way, and the lessons they've learned that have defined their careers. I'm your host, May Ramsey, and I'm the Group Executive Legal Governance and Regulatory Affairs at Medibank. In today's episode, we're speaking to Kate Sherbin, who is the legal beagle at Who Gives a Crap, a unique title for a unique organisation. Now, if you've never heard of Who Gives a Crap, we'll talk about this more in the interview, but they're a direct-to-consumer toilet paper company with a social cause at the heart of the business. We'll talk about how Kate built the legal department at the business, the importance of being a part of an organisation that shares your values, and how working for a social enterprise has influenced Kate personally. All right, let's dive in. So, Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Not at all. I thought we might just start with you telling us a bit about your background up until now. Sure. So I was not one of these people that always wanted to be a lawyer. I had no idea what I wanted to do when I was growing up. And it was only when I needed to find a subject in year 12 and legal studies fit in with my timetable. I started legal studies and loved it. And pretty quickly decided that that's what I wanted to do. I studied a double degree of law and psychology while I was at uni. That's a really long degree. And I was about 18 months away from finishing. I was a bit tired with studying, to be honest. And an opportunity came up to work as a paralegal at what was then Cadbury Schweppes. It was a 13-month program. They had four paralegals each year. I was there for 13 months and I loved it. I loved being involved in the business. I worked with some absolutely brilliant lawyers in that team. And so I knew I wanted to end up in-house. At the end of that, I went back and I finished my degree and I was lucky enough to be offered a role as a graduate at Norton Rose. It was a pretty tough year that year. It was sort of smack bang in the middle of the GFC and there weren't a whole lot of positions around. I settled in their corporate advisory group in a team that I loved I really loved the work that we did there and I was there for about seven and a half years. During that time I got married and I had two beautiful children but in-house life was calling me again. I moved to Chisholm Institute which is a TAFE in Victoria and I was their first in-house lawyer so that was a an interesting and challenging experience. I was there about 18 months before the opportunity at Who Gives a Crap arose as their first in-house lawyer and that was just an opportunity that was too good to pass up and I've now been here about 18 months and I absolutely love it. What a fantastic journey you've had. So I understand that your title at Who Gives a Crap is Legal Beagle. That's a pretty unconventional title. Can you tell me what that actually means? Yeah, it is pretty unconventional. While we take what we do seriously here at Who Gives a Crap, we don't take ourselves seriously at all. So it really was just me having a bit of fun with my title. We also have the number scrunches uh, and the parcel pushers, among other sort of quirky team names. But in terms of what I do as the legal beagle at Who Gives a Crap, 
I'm the sole lawyer here. So as anyone who's the sole lawyer in-house knows, you really do cover a bit of everything. I review contracts, create templates. I do all of our privacy work, all of our employment work, and, of course, fielding all the random questions that seem to crop up in in in-house life. Also, as the first lawyer that we've ever had here, it's also a big part of my role is showing the business who legal is as a function and how I can work with the business to help them achieve their goals. Who gives a crap, I suppose, as a company is a pretty unconventional place to work in general. So I also get to do things that a lot of lawyers probably wouldn't get to do like stretch my gift searching skills for presentations and two weeks ago I drafted some really terrible poetry when I was launching our privacy refresher training. Poetry and the law, perfect combination. Now you've mentioned that you work at Who Gives a Crap. For anyone who doesn't know about the company, what's it all about? Put really simply, Who Gives a Crap's a direct-to-consumer toilet paper company. The Business was founded when our three founders learned how many people in the world live without access to a toilet, and that's currently sitting at about 2 billion people. The stat that always blows my mind is that more people in the world have access to a smartphone than have access to a toilet. So our ultimate goal here at Who Gives a Crap is to ensure that everyone on earth has access to a toilet. So we donate 50% of our profits to charities that specialise in sanitation so that that goal can eventually become a reality. Going down the uh, unconventional path again, we started with an Indiegogo campaign where our CEO sat on the toilet for 50 hours while they were raising money. I don't think that's something that he would ever like to repeat again. Now we've got over 100 staff and we operate in multiple geographies around the world. We're a very high growth company. So the first donation in June 2013 was $2,500 and at the time our warehouse was our CEO's dad's garage in Perth. The last year we donated $5.85 million, which was pretty amazing. That is certainly fast growth and what a fantastic social cause as well. Obviously when you joined the company, I assume, as you said, you were the first lawyer to join who gives a crap. I understand you were tasked with building the legal department. How did you go about that? Yeah, so although I am the first lawyer that the company's ever had and there wasn't a legal department before I started, one of the company's first employees had actually done a law degree and although he hadn't practised, he understood a lot of what the legal requirements of the business was. So he had done things like roll our GDPR out, which was really so incredibly helpful to have had someone in the business with that legal background. He also still works for the company, which is an amazing resource to have. In saying that, when I started, there was very little in the way of process. And while the more established the business came, the better they got at record keeping. There were still a lot of gaps and things were all over the place. So when I first started, I spent a lot of time learning the business, how it worked, what the business needs were, and trying to plug those gaps and pull together all the relevant information in one place. I had grand plans to do all of this sort of at the start of last year, but of course then toilet paper company in March 2020 had 
some fairly unique challenges. And so things were sort of put on hold a little bit. But over the year, last year, we implemented a legal operations platform. So now we've got matter management and contract management. So we know where everything is. I actually heard an analogy the other day that I think fits really well. I'm building the plane as I'm flying it. So I'm still doing the everyday legal work, but setting up the processes that work for us as I go along. It's an ongoing learning process. I'm constantly learning what needs to be done and then working out how to build the solution. One of the things that I've really aimed to do here is to set the department up to be a guardrail and not a handbrake. So people are comfortable coming to legal, knowing that we'll support them and work with them to get the best outcome. It's particularly relevant because a lot of the people in the business have not had experiences with lawyers in the past, or if they have, they haven't been all that positive. Uh, and so it's it's sort of a big part of it is actually showing the business what a legal function is and and what we can do to work together. So comparing how the department looked when you started to how it is now, uh, given uh, not only were you the first um, qualified lawyer to work with Who Gives a Crap, but also, as you say, at a very challenging year last year, what's changed? What are the key differences in your mind? I suppose it's ever-evolving. There's a lot more awareness in the business now, not only about the legal department itself and how we can help, but also from their perspective, the things that they need to look for. It's something I I think is really important is to work with the business so that they can spot red flags even before legal looks at it. And that's something I've found now that often people will come come to me and say, oh, this is this is what I think the issues might be. And and often they've they really have identified sort of the crux of the issue before I've even started looking at it. I think that's the beauty of such a collaborative environment. We're all always learning from each other. I know I've certainly learnt a lot from the business and they have learnt a lot from me too. Given the um, really unique nature of the company you work for, when you're hiring people, what are you looking for? The legal department's actually going through this for the first time at the moment. We're currently recruiting for our second lawyer, which is very exciting. But something we always look for are people whose values align with ours. We're such a values-driven business that that's a really important aspect of it. We want people that will add to our culture. There's a lot of talk about culture fit and I don't think it's as much culture fit. It's more what can they contribute in a positive way to our company culture. So it's it's not so much what their background is, it's more what, what they're striving for and what their goals for and if that aligns with us as a business. What a fantastic way to recruit. So you're looking for people, as you say, who can add to the company and to the culture. So, Kate, you've referred to values at who gives a crap and how important they are, both to you and everyone in the company. What are the values of the company? Oh, this is going to look very embarrassing if I can't remember them all. <laughs> um, so we have got give a crap, which is pretty much what it says. It is people that are passionate about what we do and making sure that that is sort of followed through throughout the business. Another one is go big. 
we want to make a real impact. We don't just want to impact a few people. We want to change the world. Sort of involves embracing change and one of the things they say is finding comfort in the uncomfortable. Stay scrappy. Again, this sort of comes back to that uh, being okay with not being perfect and knowing that in order for us to achieve our goals, we can't wait for everything to be perfect. We have to be okay with having a few failures but sort of keep on going. Deliver and delight is another one which is part of making sure that we're always making our customers and employees smile and happy. And the final one, which I think is possibly my favourite, is Kembot, which roughly translates as shake your hips, but it also means to work hard. So dancing while working. And so we we get stuff done, but we do things a bit differently, but we we are always working hard, just sort of in our own way. Fantastic values. And I love the one that you referred to, stay scrappy. I think, as you said, for all of those perfectionist lawyers out there, it's a great lesson for all of us. Yeah, and it is really difficult as a lawyer. to. That was probably one that I struggled with the most, but I think it's probably the biggest lesson I've learnt to find that balance. It certainly made the way I work more effective, I think, to make sure that I am always working towards something and keeping that in the back of my mind whenever I'm providing my advice. And I think I'm going to adopt the working while dancing because <laughs> that that's uh, hitting all the right notes, bit of exercise, bit of mental health and uh, getting your work done. Fantastic. Yeah, I've got a stand-up desk and literally Kembot. <laughs> <laughs> and during your time at Who Gives a Crap, do you think that you've been influenced to be more interested in social causes? Yeah, definitely. It was something that I've always been interested in, but it's so much a part of our ethos as a company. It's definitely made me more aware and it's changed the way I think about things and how I consume things. I think particularly in relation to how and where I spend my money, I definitely now make a more conscious effort to try and support ethical and sustainable brands and my overall worldview has probably changed just that comes with that awareness. And given that prior to joining Who Gives a Crap, you obviously worked in a few different organisations, were there any unexpected challenges that you encountered working for a company that is uh, essentially a social enterprise? Yeah, one thing I found really interesting is that because we do have that social cause at the heart of our business, I think we're often put to a higher standard than a lot of other companies. In one way, that's actually really great because we're constantly striving to be the best that we can and and our customers hold us to that. It's important that all businesses are put on that sort of higher standard. You know, even companies that don't actually have this social cause at the heart of their business they also have an impact on the world that they operate in. And I think as consumers, we should all put our money where our mouth is and uh, support the businesses that do sort of align with our values. So I think that's one, that's sort of one challenge that we're often questioned about things that other companies sort of do as well. We are very open and transparent. So that's also something that is always 
in the background in any work that we do. Particularly from a legal perspective, I've had to learn to approach things differently because what might be the correct black letter law answer might not necessarily be the right response for the business. So it's it's a really big part of balancing the two aspects of making sure that we're protected and compliant, but also making sure that our ethos as a business is maintained and that we are following our values path. And I expect there's also been some unexpected benefits to working for a company with a social cause at its heart. Can you describe some of those for us? Yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised at just how amazing it was to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Although we all have different roles, we're all working towards the same goal and that's a pretty amazing thing to be a part of. There is no competition internally. It's not siloed. It's all very collaborative. I think also companies like ours attract some really brilliant people. So I'm really lucky to be surrounded by passionate people who are amazing at what they do and I'm constantly learning from the people that I work with and how they approach things it's it is pretty fabulous to be part of this team and you've spoken quite a bit about values and you know the alignment of values uh, within the company how important is it for you to work for a company that shares your values I think over my career that's manifested in different ways but the majority of my career has involved helping people in some way, shape or form. I think a lot of lawyers come into law thinking that, that they, they actually want to make a difference. But throughout the different paths I've taken, it's always sort of involved helping people. When I was in private practice, I worked in life sciences and pharmaceuticals and so a lot of that was getting products into the market that would help people. Then in the education space and and now at Who Gives a Crap where not only are we donating 50% of our profits but it's also sustainability is at the heart of our business which is something that I'm passionate about. I don't think it's always necessarily been a conscious decision. I sort of didn't always say, well, that that is where I'm, I must be. But it's something I've always gravitated towards. And so when I look back, I can see that theme emerging. Obviously, not everyone has the opportunity to work for a company that shares their values. So what advice would you give to someone working in an environment that doesn't share their values? I'd probably start by working out what does align. So, for example, even if the industry that you're in might not align necessarily with your values, There might be aspects of the company that does. So they may have a view of diversity and equity that aligns with your values. It might be that there are people within that company that have similar values as you and you can band together to do something in that space, whether that's internally, for example, creating a diversity and equity group or something, or banding together as a team to expand on those values externally, you know, if if that's something that is available. I think you also have to try and stay true to who you are and try and work that into your day-to-day life as much as you can. That can be really difficult, but my view is even a tiny bit of action is a lot better than a whole lot of inaction. So even if it's just tiny little things that you do that you're staying true to yourself and you can expand on that as you go and 
those little steps all add up. I love that, Kate, you know, to, as you say, seize the opportunity yourself and find those areas that do align. I'm going to ask you for some more advice. If you had advice for other lawyers looking to find a company that reflects their values, what would it be? I think the first thing is to work out what your values are. I mean, that sounds a bit silly, but I think it's something that we often don't really think about. But if you sit down and really think what your values are, start to look for themes among those and identify what is important to you. Once you've worked out what your values are, start looking around to see if there are companies around that do align with those values and do things like follow them on social media or find out who works there and follow them on LinkedIn. It sort of seems quite simple or basic, but I think that doing those little things, it will show you what opportunities those companies may have. But also if you start following that space, then you'll see what other opportunities are available, even in a company that you may not have previously known about. Great advice. And as you say, you know, it sounds simple, but many of us don't take that time to reflect, as you're suggesting. Now, we're a bit of a change of pace now. I'm going to move to some uh, quickfire questions for you. So the point of these is just tell me the first thing that comes into your mind. There's eight questions and uh, we'll whip through these pretty quickly. Okay. So the first one is, if you met your 21-year-old self, what advice would you give them? Oh, I th- what would I say? I would say don't just wait for opportunities to come knocking. You have to go out and find opportunities. Things don't always just land in your lap. Keep your eyes open and and work towards things and you'll get there. Love it. Uh, next question, what is one skill you've really had to develop through your in-house role? Specifically at Who Gives a Crap is it aligns with one of our values, which is stay scrappy. I think that is that you can't always be perfect. Sometimes it just has to be okay. <laughs> um, and as a bit of a perfectionist, I've, I've heard the term recovering perfectionist before and I think that sort of applies to me. You do sometimes have to adjust your thinking, the speed at which in-house life goes. You'd never get anything done if you tried to get it absolutely perfect. Great. Where do you go to upskill? Go to a few different places. A lot of what I do these days is actually the people around me. I love meeting new people and I try and learn something from everybody I meet. I think there's a lot of value in listening to other people and listening to their perspectives. Uh, From a sort of more formal perspective, I'm an ACC member and I actually think a lot of what they produce is really relevant and there's not a huge amount that's just in-house specific and I think we are a bit of a unique space and to have something tailored to us is absolutely invaluable. Well, great to hear that you're getting some value out of your ACC membership. Thanks for that, Kate. (laughs) Uh, Who's someone you really admire? I've got quite a few people that I really admire. You you can have more than one then. (laughs) I, this sounds a little bit corny, but I actually think my mum is someone that I really admire. She moved to Australia when she was a lot younger than I am now. Her family did eventually all follow her, but she, at the time she sort of came over, she didn't really know anybody. She made sure that 
I had opportunities that weren't available to her. She's always supported me, even though she doesn't always understand why I do what I do. I know that she's always got my back. I don't think that's corny at all. I think that's wonderful. Next question. What's one item on your bucket list? I've always wanted to learn a language, but I'm not sure how realistic that is because every time I've attempted it, I've discovered I'm rubbish at languages. Still, it's good to have a stretch target on your bucket list. I like that. Any particular languages that you're interested in? Not really. It's been a while since I've travelled now because of everything that's been going on around the world. But I I do love sort of immersing myself in other cultures. Perhaps that could be on my bucket list that I actually get to spend an extended period of time in another country and actually sort of try and immerse myself a little bit more in that culture, including learning the language. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I was going to say. What a perfect way (laughs) to learn a new language. Uh, What's your favourite hobby? I've got a couple of hobbies that I really like. So one is running. I have two small children and running is my me time. Sort of I listen to a podcast normally and off I go and sort of not only staying physically healthy but also mentally healthy. I let my mind wander and I sort of I come up with a lot of solutions to problems when I'm out running. And the other one is I fully embrace my inner granny and I do cross-stitch. I've done it for years and now I do these full coverage pieces um, that do take quite a long time but it's really satisfying seeing them come together And then I think more recently, with being in lockdown for so long last year, I got really into Lego with my kids and I think possibly my addiction is now slightly more than theirs. (laughs) We've we've invested a lot of time and money in Lego in the last 12 months. But I love the fact that your hobbies cover the full gamut, you know, mind, body and soul. So that's very impressive. And keep up (laughs) the Lego addiction. It's good for you. Well, as I sit here, I've got the giant Disney castle, Lego castle behind me. So it's uh, certainly something that I've embraced. (laughs) And the kids aren't allowed to touch it. (laughs) Uh, No, some of them know. That that one they could play with, but uh, (laughs) some of them are off limits. (laughs) Um, What are you reading at the moment? I just, so I joined a book club at the start of this year. It was trying to encourage me to get back into reading because particularly once I no longer had a commute, I basically stopped reading. Uh, So we have just finished a book called The Vanishing Half, which was a really interesting book. Um, It sort of spans a few generations and it it looks at racial issues in the US. I can highly recommend it. It was a bit of a slow burn, but once I got into it, I couldn't put it down. Sounds great. I'm looking for a new book for my book club. Might have to steal that idea. Yeah, I definitely uh, recommend that one. And uh, finally, what's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? I try and do something for myself. I get up early before my kids do. As they get up earlier, I just get up even earlier. Uh, and so I will either go for a run or do yoga or just something to clear my head and get me ready for the day. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed learning 
all about your journey and particularly about who gives a crap and the way the company has embraced you and you've embraced them. I think it's a fantastic and inspirational story for all of us to aim towards working with a company that aligns so strongly with our values. So thanks for sharing and uh, all the best. Thanks, May. It's been my pleasure. You've been listening to In-House Insiders, a podcast about the stories, challenges and lessons learned by Australia's top in-house legal professionals. In-House Insiders is produced by the Association of Corporate Counsel. ACC's purpose is to support the professional and business interests of in-house counsel through information, education, networking and advocacy initiatives. I've personally been an ACC member for 15 years and I continue to remain a member for the fantastic peer networking opportunities I get and the access to tailored CPDs that cater for every stage of an in-house lawyer's career. If you're not a member already, you can join me and over 45,000 other in-house counsel from around the world. For more information about ACC or to join, please visit the website acc.com. This has been In-House Insiders. I'm May Ramsey and I'll speak to you next time.